The more you are focused on time, past and future, the more you miss the now, the most precious thing there is. Eckhart Tolle This is Citadelium, episode 21, and I'm your host, Yuri Degaya. Today I want to expand a little bit on something that I talked about in some of my previous episodes. Namely, it was episode 17 that was about how the nation-state will die, and episode 20, which was the previous episode, on Stoicism. So, I want to combine the two and talk a little bit about anarcho-capitalism, or natural order, as I like to call it, which is essentially an ideology of uh, uh, an anarchist inclination uh, that I'm a big fan of, and I think a lot of uh, people who listen to this podcast may be familiar with or are fans of as well. And, um, of course... uh, I can say that uh, anarcho-capitalism is something that uh, myself and a lot of my friends and uh, people I know strive for. This is what uh, we would call an ideal uh, situation in the world, an ideal uh, political situation in the world, in which uh, there is really no uh, nation-states left in the world. Uh, Rather, instead, there are many, many uh, so-called citadels or Uh, little uh, states, uh, uh, city-states, all kinds of uh, territorial uh, units that are not really uh, nation-states as we know them today, but are rather small but efficient uh, uh, uses of uh, landmass in which uh, the free market relationships uh, prevail. And uh, we, of course, try for... uh, a world in which there are tens of thousands of such citadels instead of having just a couple of hundred countries or nation states that we currently have in the world. Um, There is a lot of literature on the subject of anarcho-capitalism, especially it comes from uh, the economists uh, that belong to the so-called Austrian School of Economics. And, uh, of course, not all of them talk about uh, anarcho-capitalism and use this term, uh, especially the ones that um, uh, started uh, this uh, uh, movement or branch of economics, uh, uh, such as Menger or uh, Mises. They don't really talk about it that much, and we can also... Uh, we can see uh, that our, our more modern uh, economists start talking about it. However, uh, they do talk about pretty much uh, similar concepts. They talk about how the free market is a much better tool, a much better instrument for dealing with pretty much anything in the world. Uh, uh, any issue can be solved a lot more efficiently and a lot more effectively by participants uh, on the free market rather than by centralized entities uh, such as uh, governments uh, that are essentially parts of that uh, those nation states that we have right now. Uh, government bureaucracy is inefficient. Uh, that's uh, no surprise to anyone, of course. Even if you're not an anarcho-capitalist, uh, of course you understand that uh, Uh, The market uh, delivers uh, the goodies uh, faster, much faster, much more efficiently than the government. Uh, Although you may believe that government has some kind of a role in, uh, you know, uh, 
things like uh, building the roads, but uh, which of course uh, is uh, normally built by private companies as well. Um, what I'm uh, what I want to talk about is that uh, anarcho-capitalism in generally, I think, uh, fits the laws of nature much better. I think it's more in accordance with the uh, uh, natural order that we have on this planet and in general in the universe. Uh, uh, however, uh, my uh, my uh, current thinking goes uh, into this direction, and I'll explain it uh, right now. So I think that um, anarcho-capitalism uh, uh, is our ideal that we have to strive for and work for every single day of our lives. Uh, we have to work towards this ideal, but we also must realize that it may actually be quite far away uh, realistically so this uh, doesn't mean that uh, it's not in, uh, it's not possible i'm just saying that it may be a little bit uh, uh, further away than we want it to be and uh, of course there may be uh, many reasons to believe that uh, it is actually quite close but you know i don't think that uh, things like that happen overnight usually it's a gradual process uh, so uh, in general i think uh, such uh, shifts uh, in a society happen quite slowly and uh, as a parallel I want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, things like uh, uh, childhood dreams of space travel for kids. I also had these uh, dreams of uh, traveling in space. I watched uh, all kinds of science uh, fiction movies, I read some books and I was generally fascinated by the idea. I still am of course, uh, you know, uh, traveling to the stars is part of uh, uh, who we are. I think it's part of our uh, innate uh, uh, nature, uh, the nature of exploration, of uh, uh, of the desire to understand what's out there, to see uh, beyond the boundaries. Uh, uh, although, of course, I covered in one of my episodes that uh, our own planet is pretty much a gem. Um, it's uh, It's really beautiful. It is the paradise that we have right now and we have to uh, work on uh, uh, retaking this planet, uh, I guess, from the parasites uh, that uh, uh, have taken it over. And that's pretty much a part of the plan on establishing the anarcho-capitalist society, is to getting rid of the parasites who uh, managed to uh, who managed to take over uh, the planet in uh, uh, all kinds of nefarious ways. But this episode is not about this. What I'm uh, talking about is that uh, uh, if you remember your childhood dreams, uh, you, you, you can also remember things like the dates that they uh, show you. For example, uh, if you uh, remember uh, the return to the moon was supposed to be in the early 2000s, then in 2020s, then in 2030s. Right now, Elon Musk wants to put the first man on Mars, maybe sometimes in, sometime in uh, 2030s, right? Uh, Russia or China are planning to go back to the moon and establish permanent bases there in the 40s, or maybe 30s and 40s. Uh, so think about it for a second. If uh, this, uh, this happens, uh, let's say this actually goes through and they actually deliver uh, this type of a situation where we have a uh, base on the moon with just a couple of uh, people living there permanently, just like they live right now on the International Space Station. Um, and I'm not even talking about Mars, right? So that is already uh, a great breakthrough. But uh, if I have to count uh, when it's going to happen, I'm going to be in my 40s or 50s already when that happens, right? 
So now think about this uh, great future where we are a spacefaring uh, species, where we travel beyond Earth to different planets. We have uh, colonies uh, on other planets or maybe even in, uh, in space itself, uh, such as uh, space habitats. Uh, that is definitely quite uh, a lot uh, uh, farther away in the future, right? It's not, uh, it's not 20, 30 years away. It's probably a few more decades away, even a century or more away. If you think about that, well, uh, you know, uh, hopefully there is a technology that may or may not, uh, you know, uh, prolong our lives. But uh, if we speak about uh, the current situation, uh, I'm fairly sure that by that time I will be dead, right? So I will not actually see that. So my point here is that uh, similarly many other processes in uh, society happen quite slowly as well. They, they happen in a similar manner. It takes time. It takes time for these things to happen. So uh, anarcho-capitalism may be one of those things that may eventually come and I think it will come because I think it just uh, in accordance with the laws of nature and uh, usually the laws of nature prevail eventually uh, even though right now we're a little bit far away from them but it may take some time uh, whether it's gonna take several decades or centuries or even millennia I don't know and uh, I can't really predict that but I think it's not an overnight process um, there is no such thing as a you know a revolution of uh, consciousness that just happens overnight like that and people um, people suddenly live in this uh, anarcho-capitalist uh, paradise. Uh, uh, there is a of course there are some exceptions to this rule and uh, I think Bitcoin is uh, one of the exceptions because uh, um, in my opinion it's growing uh, a lot faster than a lot of people expect it and. Uh, it uh, also, if you know anything about Bitcoin, obviously all the uh, anarcho-capitalists that I know uh, uh, are Bitcoiners as well, because uh, they believe, and rightly so, that Bitcoin may accelerate the transition to the to a global free market economy, to essentially to a anarcho-capitalist future that we all want. But again, is that transition going to be accelerated by hundreds of years or decades? Uh, is it going to be, you know, uh, in five or ten years? Uh, will I see that uh, anarcho-capitalist work? I surely hope so. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I will spend uh, pretty much the rest of my life uh, uh, working in that direction and doing something to actually make that happen and doing my part. Uh, but, um, you know... Uh, the ideal that we have in our mind, a world of tens of thousands of citadels, uh, no nation states left, uh, I think it's quite far away, right? And there are some reasons for it. Um, uh, I think the reasons are different, but uh, the main reason is that uh, people are not actually ready for anarcho-capitalism, for natural order. And uh, this may sound uh, a little strange, but uh, I think that mentally, and even spiritually, if you know anything about uh, spirituality or I guess uh, spiritual science, as some call it, uh, people are not developed uh, uh, are not developed yet, and are, they're not at that stage yet to make use of their agency. Um, agency, if you don't know, is is, is simply just uh, the 
uh, ability to be responsible for your own actions, right? To do things that uh, you believe are in your best interest and not really follow anyone blindly. So, uh, but a lot of people are not ready and we can see that, uh, especially in these uh, recent months, we can clearly see that people can be uh, quite easily scared by uh, just uh, any media campaigns that that have uh, some scary things in them and uh, people get scared that their brains completely turn off um, they're shut off their uh, their cognitive abilities essentially and behave quite sheepishly uh, and um, there's uh, you know there's uh, nothing wrong with that I'm not really accusing anyone and uh, I'm just stating the uh, situation as it is right now and I think it has to do with our overall development uh, on this planet or as a society or as a mankind essentially the whole mankind so you can clearly see that most people and I mentioned that before are followers they are followers and there's only very very few people who are leaders uh, so it's all about uh, who gets to be the leader who actually uh, gets most of the followers on their side, right? So um, at this point, we've seen quite a few parasites uh, getting uh, those followers. And uh, I think uh, one of our uh, other tasks is to actually work on the masses, right? Uh, to work the masses, to, to figure out ways to uh, attract masses. And it may not be in the classical way of doing that, uh, such as, you know, uh, propagandizing or... Of, uh, or using politic other political tools, although these are still useful, I think, and will be useful in the next uh, decades. But we also can do it through technology like Bitcoin. So Satoshi Nakamoto just invented and released out in the open the, the genie of Bitcoins, which cannot be put back in the bottle. And uh, due to Bitcoin's economic structure, due to its incentives and game-theoretic properties, a lot of people will just have to use it. They will be forced to use it by economic reality because everybody will be jumping on board. Um, every time Bitcoin goes up, more and more people learn about it and it becomes, as Satoshi himself said, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So um, that's, that's how things are, I think, uh, in terms of uh, how people are not ready for, uh, for uh, anarcho-capitalism. Um, but we also must not discard uh, things that actually come from nation-states themselves. And, uh, such things as uh, national pride, uh, culture and history are quite important to a lot of people. They cling to these things. And... Um, uh, if you remember, for example, the loss of the USSR, uh, which actually occupied one-sixth of the world uh, landmass, was quite a disaster for many people who lived in the USSR. It was literally a mental disaster for them, economic disaster, and a disaster in many, many ways. Uh, although, you know, we are uh, here uh, anti-socialism and all that uh, stuff, and maybe as anarcho-capitalists we're actually supposed to cheer for that. But uh, you cannot uh, discard the feelings of uh, hundreds of millions of people, right? And uh, so uh, that's exactly what a lot of people feel right now in terms of breaking Russia further into smaller independent countries, it will be a lot uh, harder than you think because it will be hard on, pe on people's uh, minds, right? It will be hard on their feelings uh, and um, 
while you can say that just these people are just uh, sheep and they don't understand that we actually want to bring them a better and you know uh, more prosperous future with our anarcho-capitalist ideas that well that's why we have to break down these countries nation states you still uh, have to take into account that you know people cling to these things and it will take uh, probably a few generations uh, for people to understand that free markets are better that uh, you know there is a better way to live uh, rather than in a uh, humongous uh, uh, nation state uh, governed by just uh, a few uh, people on top uh, who don't really care about what happens in the remote areas of this territory and there are more efficient ways of doing things and uh, that's why i think for the next few generations decades or maybe new centuries uh, countries like russia in this or that form will stay they will stick around right so um that's that's why i think anarcho-capitalism is a little bit uh, of far away uh, so does that mean that we have to stop working towards anarcho-capitalism and uh, i'll repeat myself of course no we have to work towards our common goal and uh, uh, we have to work towards this ideal of anarcho-capitalism natural order however we i think uh, must work within the fabric of society that exists right now so and this uh, this uh, brings me back to this uh, topic of stoicism that i covered in the last uh, episode we have to accept uh, what is we have to work within the framework within the situation that exists right now and right now we live in a world that has uh, just about 200 200 countries uh, their nation states some of them may uh, crumble sometime soon others may stick around for the next thousand years so you we don't know uh, how things will play out right so uh, that's what I mean by uh, just realizing that the reality of the situation is that uh, this is how the world is and we have to work within this uh, uh, paradigm um, some people may object and say, um, do I mean that we don't have to fight anymore? Do, do we just give up and live within these nation states and, you know, continue being serfs? Uh, of course, that's not what I mean. Um, actually, uh, what I mean is that if you adopt the stoic mindset, then if you realize, for example, that we're at war, and uh, I think generally we are at war right now, at least uh, the war in the sense that uh, there is a war between the parasites and the productive people uh, we must accept this fact that we are at war and we must operate um, with the, uh, if you are at war you must operate with a military or adversarial uh, mindset uh, you have to be ready for action so if you're at war and you have a war mindset then you have to uh, adjust your life in such a way that you have to prepare for certain things like action and conflict right so you have to uh, basically get out of your comfortable bubble and start thinking a little bit uh, in terms of uh, well what am I gonna do uh, if uh, war knocks on my door how am I gonna defend my family and myself right so uh, that uh, that uh, objection that uh, you know uh, that I may hear that uh, okay well, you're telling me not to fight no that does not mean that uh, you don't have to fight you just have to realize that uh, you know uh, resisting uh, reality as it is is not gonna do you any good you have to accept what is and then 
calmly and uh, rationally work in this environment. Um, at the same time, you can't be silly. You, you, you cannot really go to a nuclear war with a knife, right? So, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean by that that uh, remember that the nation states, uh, uh, not the global parasites, even select nation states, they have the power of all their military. They have a lot of money, so you can't really go. Uh, against them just with a gun, right? Or even if uh, there's a, uh, 20 of you, you can't really do much uh, with that unless you devise some kind of a super genius plan from a movie, uh, right? Uh, where you infiltrate the highest uh, circles of that government and somehow crumble it from within. But I think that's... Uh, uh, we can leave that to Hollywood for now. Um, you you have to be realistic and you have to work within your capabilities and you have to be willing to work at the level where you can actually make a difference. So that is uh, another part of how stoicism can help you in this uh, situation. So finally, I want to touch upon uh, a topic of the nation-states themselves. So if the nation-state... Uh, uh, were here to stay for a while more. Um, now, what kind of nation state do we really choose? In which one do we stay? Uh, and uh, I think uh, the answer here is uh, you have to choose a nationalist uh, state. You have to choose a nationalist uh, nation state, a country that has a national ideology. Now, that may sound really strange, but again, I am only talking um, in terms of thinking within the framework of what exists right now, right? I'm not talking about things like, well, I don't accept any state. I, I don't want to live in any nation state. I'm against uh, all nation states. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. Okay, but the reality of the situation is that right now you just have a choice basically of 200 nation states, maybe less because some of them are not accessible, right? So you still have to... Uh, choose where to live uh, even uh, while you are working towards your ideal of anarcho-capitalism uh, while, while you're at it, right? So, and I think a national, uh, a nationalist state is actually a better choice uh, uh, and uh, you probably are lucky if you were born and live in, a, in one right now and um, uh, I think uh, there are different reasons for it, but I think uh, the nationalist state, uh, first of all, has to have a national ideology, of course, and it has to have um, um, a national history that is shared and admired by the population. Um, these things, you must remember, they keep the population together, right? They don't make... Uh, the, there is no... Um, uh, there is no uh, mood of infighting, there is no such things as uh, um, civil war moods and things like that, because the population is united around, around general ideas and ideologies, right? So, uh, you also need to uh, make sure that the chosen state actually wants to keep its sovereignty, and uh, that means that it's pretty much an anti-globalist state. Um, an anti-globalist state, uh, and uh, you can uh, you can uh, clearly see how some states uh, are starting to uh, propagate this rhetoric. And um, if you've watched um, uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, speech from uh, uh, Davos, uh, Davos uh, just recently, uh, he stated it quite clearly uh, to the Davos uh, um, organizers that. Uh, uh, 
we all must be ready to go back to a multipolar world, to a world that has multiple centers of economic and political uh, activity, of, uh, uh, of uh, leadership in those areas, and not a global uh, state, a globalist state with no borders. So essentially, he, um, he uh, said that Russia is going to stay a sovereign entity, a sovereign country, and it will not really bend the knee to the globalist agenda. Again, uh, Putin is a politician, so you have to take everything that he says with a grain of salt, of course. Uh, but what I mean is that uh, there are still some states in this world who are uh, amassing uh, some power, uh, economic power and political power, and they already start talking uh, in terms of uh, their anti-globalist uh, uh, agendas, right? They don't really share the globalist agenda, they don't like it, and, uh, you know, um, this is a good thing, uh, because... Uh, uh, if you remember, uh, the there are two ways the national uh, the nation state will die. The first one is uh, is by uh, by anarcho capitalism, essentially just breaks down due to economic realities, um, and uh, you know slowly but surely the nation states will break down into many many smaller independent uh, states, city-states, uh, citadels, so to speak. And the second way is the globalist way in which the borders are erased uh, pretty much forcefully and uh, there is just uh, one uh, global planetary uh, state, uh, super-state uh, that is controlled by one world government. So those are the two ways that the nation-states will die and I think one of them will actually happen um, I, of course, uh, think that the first uh, option, uh, the anarcho-capitalist option, will happen. This is what we're talking about it here, uh, about here. And uh, again, uh, I'll repeat that I think it will happen, but slowly. So while it happens, you have to live within the framework of what uh, is today. And uh, uh, you have to choose a place where you're going to live. If you already wear a nationalist... Uh, uh, ideologies are uh, rising and starting uh, uh, starting to become more widespread, I think you are actually in a good place. Um, and uh, uh, while many people can tell you that nationalism is bad and um, that, that's obviously all just, uh, it's, it's all false, it's, you know, uh, it's globalist talk, it's a talk about how everything has to be exactly the same, how everything has to be uh, westernized or, you know, uh, any, it doesn't have to do uh, even with the West, uh, even uh, if uh, someone comes to me and says how everything has to be Easternized, right, or Africanized, uh, uh, I would be similarly against that, because that's not how things work. Uh, uh, the world must stay uh, uh, very, very, uh, it, has, it must have a variety of different cultures, uh, different nations, different peoples. Uh, it's uh, a lot more interesting this way, it's a lot more um, uh, fascinating to explore those different cultures. It's, a more, it's also a lot more uh, efficient uh, uh, this way because uh, every uh, population, every people, every country, uh, they do uh, uh, their own thing. They work on their own things and uh, we must uh, accept that they may be different from us, right? And, uh, and that's uh, that's what uh, makes the world beautiful. Uh, on that note, I will finish this episode. Uh, I uh, I hope you like it. And uh, again, um, this uh, 
episode does not uh, uh, in this episode I don't want to uh, uh, show you that uh, I give up uh, on things like anarcho-capitalism. I did not, of course, and it is still my ideal and this is what we're working towards. But uh, we have to still uh, accept the situation as it is and uh, uh, if uh, you were to accept it, then uh, uh, please uh, think about uh, working in terms of the probably a nationalist approach if you had to choose between the two, the globalist and nationalist. Of course, the nationalist, I think, is a lot more acceptable and workable uh, in this situation as we have it today. That said, thanks for joining me again and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Please feel free to subscribe on uh, Telegram uh, at Citadelium and also uh, sign up to my newsletter, thegaia.co. See you next time.